talk a little bit this week about kind of what we talked about last week. Last week, we were discussing the idea of a person creating their own truth as opposed to tuning into the reality that God creates in the world. Last week was a double Torah portion. We only talked about one part. We didn't speak about Bilam. This week is Pinchas, and it really is kind of connected to the parish of Bilam. And I have to speak about Bilam because Bilam is a crucial piece, especially that most of you all here are, uh, are Noachides, Ben Noach. And Bilam needs to be understood because Bilam really what he was the prophet of the nations. And he was the last prophet of the nations. He was the last one. Because Moshe prayed that there should be no more prophets in the nations. It only should be for the Jewish people. That happens with this story of Bilam. Bilam was the last guy. And after that, it, it stops. And then we need to understand Bilam because Bilam really um, is, is a problem to be understood. What did he do wrong? How did he help? lead the nations astray. And that's especially important for you all here who are people of the righteous people of the nations who are looking at the world and seeing that something is not right and thereby able to affect change right now. And I and I, I mentioned this, I, I talked about this a couple weeks ago with you all. I have a group of, uh, of, um, of, of people... Uh, older group of Jewish people that I teach in Atlanta. They're not there. They go to a reform temple, but over the years, they keep getting more and more disillusioned because they find that everything their rabbi says to them is nothing to do with what they understood Judaism was. And so they've sort of have broken away and they, they learn with me periodically. Uh, once a month, I learn with them and give them a different perspective. And they're asking me, what's going to happen to America? You know, what's happening? And like I say, I think you guys are the hope of America. So I really, I really want to explain a little bit the Billum problem and how we have to understand it because he was a prophet for the nations that led the nations astray. So he did. How did how'd that happen? What, what was he doing? What was he saying? What was he thinking? Okay. So it's about Bilaam. No credit to this week's Torah portion also. So I first want to ask you, when, when you imagine what Bilaam would look like, what would you think? Like, like he's, he's, he's portrayed as a very bad guy. So would you imagine him like mean looking? or How would you imagine him? And I like to pre- present to you, Bilaam looked like one of these real old pseudo-spiritual guys. He looked like the holy man. You know, you know, those of you who remember, I, I don't know when what happened, but the Beatles, when they when they had found the Maharishi and they and they thought that he was the big guru, and then they came out, no, he was a fake. I don't know who he was, what he was. But sometimes you have these guys who present themselves in a certain way, and and deep down they're not that way. And that's why when you read the text of the story of Bilaam, which I imagine you have, and then just you read the commentaries, they're not talking the same language at all. Bilaam says, you know, 
if if the king Balak, who wants me to curse the Jews, gives me all the gold and silver in his house, I can't go against God. And Rashi says, oh, you know why he said that? Because he was he was Ruach, he was so full of himself, he was looking at the king's gold. I wouldn't have read it that way. I would have read it, wow, what a nice guy. Even all the gold in the world, I won't go against God. But that's not what he was saying. And and I think every one of us could appreciate that. Sometimes you have people and they say something, but there there's a whole other world that's going on with them that is really what they're about. So Bilaam on the outside looks the part. He is the spiritual guru. He is the prophet. But inside the sages are telling us, no, he's got major, major problems in his essence that are going to be his undoing. And and to a certain degree, it was the undoing of the nations because he was supposed to be representing them. And, And he was a bad representative. I tell you an amazing thing. There's a measure that says when God gave the Torah, so the whole world shook. And everyone thought something was happening. That was a national calamity. They went to Bilaam and they asked him, what's going on? Bilaam told them, God's giving a Torah to Jewish people right now. He was like the, the, the liaison to tell them. And, and, and we're going to see that, that whatever is that undid him, it was so problematic that we have to stay away from people like Bilaam understand the problem with Bilaam, and then they understand the hero in this week's Torah portion, Pinchas, who comes and does the opposite, and doesn't look as good as Bilaam. He kills somebody. But somehow, Pinchas is the hero. Bilaam, with all of his fancy political talk, is not. He's not a good guy. All right, let's try to understand a little bit. So it says there are, there are three traits of Bilaam. It said he had, he had a, 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 a nefesh, uh, uh, a nefesh gavoa, a a a a a nefesh, a spirit that was unsatiable, a ruach gavoa, a a spirit that was was in, was not cannot be contained, and a bad eye. Now, what are those three things? What does it mean? Uh, a, a haughty nefesh and an and a rising spirit and a bad eye. So we've talked many times. Those who came to some of the other classes. There are different parts of a person. There's a mind, there's the heart, and then there's a the lower part of the person. The, the lower part, the nefesh, is the part that Bilam would never satiate. His physical pleasures could never be satiated. And therefore, Bilam ended up, those who read the, 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 the story in the parasha, end up doing very, very weird things for his sorcery. As a matter of fact, those who read it saw that Bilaam was actually committing bestiality with his donkey. And that was part of his, his witchcraft things. But why is that? I'll tell you something a mind-boggling. The sages tell us somebody who does not curb at all his desires in any way. What happens to him in the end, he starts looking for abnormal desires. You hear that amazing concept? Go look at the world today, and you want to know why it's so nuts? 
Well, one of the reasons it's so crazy is, is because everyone got whatever they wanted. And then they said they, their mind started saying, oh, I want things that are, are abnormal that a person naturally doesn't even desire. But if you look at it, you see that. It's like a person takes drugs and he needs more and more and more and, and a different high and a different experience. Billum became unsatiable. That was the lower part of Billum. The middle part of Billum, the heart, he needed to have, have complete recognition all the time. And therefore, he says something that's amazing. He says, he says to God, when God says, uh, when it sends the messengers, Balak, says, Balak the king sends the messengers. So the messengers come along, and God says, you can't go. So Bilaam, first, first God says to Bilaam in the dream, you know, who are these people? As if giving a Bilaam a place to, to, to make a mistake that God doesn't, doesn't know everything. That's exactly what Bilaam was fooled by his own, you know, God entering the conversation with him. So Bilaam says, the king Balak send them to me. And what he was saying is, if in your eyes I'm not important, but I'm important in the eyes of others, now think about that a second. So really mind-boggling. God's speaking to him. Why is he saying that God thinks he's not important? And why is he saying, well, the, 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 the kings think I'm important? Because there's a part of a person, this middle part, which is a personality, which is the part that wants recognition, that could become also unsatiated. It could be to the point where a person just needs for people to pay them attention because there's no sense of, of I have my own value. And they chase after that in a way that cannot be satisfied. Billum on the emotional level is completely emotionally needy. He needs everyone to tell him how great he is because he can never find in himself a place of, yes, I'm okay. God thinks I'm okay. He can't do that. And we'll explain why in a moment. What's the third part of Bill? This is the bad eye. The eye represents the thinking of a person, okay? The thinking of a person. And why? Because, because when I say, I, I say, for example, I know something, I, you'll even say in colloquial terms, you'll say, oh, I, I see that. I can see it clearly. Because seeing is believing. When you see something, you have a sense of this is what it is. And it represents the idea of clarity. Bilaam, and for everyone, has got an eye. How they see the information. What was Bilaam's eye? His eye was to look at the problems. And that's what the sages tell us was his power. His power was, he was able to look at a person and see their shortcomings and present it in a way to get God to curse them, so to speak. Of course, he can't manipulate God because it was only God wanted to, but that was his quality, Bill. He would see the, the bad in someone and was able to actually bring it out. He looked through this lens of negativity in everything he saw, as opposed to a person who could see the good in someone. Now, why is that good? Because hopefully, you see, you, know, you don't want to see the good and evil person necessarily, unless you have somebody doing something. Usually, for an evil, evil person, someone like a Hitler, or all these evil people are doing evil things, you got to see what they're about. Otherwise, they're gonna, they're, you're going to get messed up. 
But the person who's, who has essential holiness, you want to be able to see past and see deeper in something that's good in them. And Bilaam didn't want to go there. He went to the problem and was able to fan the problem. And that was his power. His power was to see the negative in a person and present it and show it. And that's why it says, and amazingly it says, there was no prophet in Israel like Moshe. So the, the sages tell us, like Moshe, no. In Israel, like, no, like, in Israel, no one like Moshe. But amongst the nations, there was. Who was that, Bilaam? Bilaam, Bilaam is like, a, like, like a, you know, uh, like Moshe in prophecy? No, not really. But like this, when there's a moment of, of, of when the sun rises in the morning, there's a certain bird, I, I think it's called a hawk in English, I don't know, but, I, I look, but it's called a nates, a nates in Hebrew, that comes out when the sun rises. When it senses the light of the sun, it comes out. And then there's a bat, nocturnal bird, that when it senses the sun coming up, it hides. They both are tuned in to the light from completely opposite ways. Moshe is tuned into what's good. Bilaam is tuned into what's bad. This is the human being of Bilaam. From top, his mind sees negative. His sense of wanting to be uh, uh, completed is unsatiable, and his physical desire is unsatiable to the point where it becomes abnormality. That is who Bilaam Okay, now, how, how does he get like that? How does he get like that? And what's the, the core difference between what Bilaam was doing and, and what the other prophets were doing? The, the holy prophets, and that gets Bilaam cut off. So I, I was thinking about it because it says, if you notice, that Bilaam made seven altars. Why do you pick seven altars? Seven altars, and he made offerings at each one numerous times. Why seven altars? So the sages tell us this was parallel to the seven commandments of the children of Noah. This guy is coming across as the righteous leader of the nations. He's putting seven altars. And what does he say to God? He says, listen. The Jewish people, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they all together in their whole lives, they built seven altars. I'm going to make seven myself. So what was he saying to God? He was saying, listen, why are you choosing the Jewish people? You should be, just have everyone the same. We are your prophet, and I am the, 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 going to represent everyone. I have seven altars, seven commands. I'm going to, I'm going to do this instead of the Jewish people. What, 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 was, what was his game? What was his problem? And I want you to understand this. It's, it's very, very important. The, the first part of service of God begins with every individual wants to become something. It's just the way it is. Everybody needs to feel that I am something, I understand something, I'm doing something, I'm meaningful. Okay, I am becoming a better person, a holier person, a more righteous person in this process. That is natural. And that's the way it always starts. It always has to start with that. 
It starts with the self. That's the first step. But there's a certain place where there's a major difference between Bilaam and his prophecy and what real prophecy is. Bilaam is really called the sorcerer. What, what's his goal? His goal is I will become so spiritually powerful with my powers that I will cause God to do what I want him to do. And that's exactly the opposite of prophecy. What's prophecy? A person works, they become great, 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 and prophecy is the only thing that is not guaranteed. If you work your hardest, you're not guaranteed to be a prophet. Now, that might be not surprising for us all because there's no prophets today. But you should know something that in, in the times of the Tanakh, of the, of the Bible, there were schools of prophecy. Do you know that? Could you imagine if your kid came home and said they wanted to go to prophet school? Say, hey, you make a living. What kind of, what's your major? A prophecy. I'm going I'm to go study for 50 years and then become a prophet. And there were schools. They go to study to become a prophet. What would happen? They'd go through this process of learning and meditating and, and, and righteous behavior. And then at the end, they would wait. And what would happen? Either God would speak to them or he wouldn't. This is different than everything else. Even divine inspiration, Ruch Kodesh, it was guaranteed if a person did what the process was, he would get it. Prophecy wasn't. Prophecy was you did all the acts, and if God wanted to speak to you, he did. If he did it, he wouldn't. That doesn't seem very fair. And the answer is, ladies and gentlemen, you know why? Because exactly what Bill, the opposite is Bill. When a person works on themselves, which is the first step, the second step has to be, it's not all in my hands. I don't control the world. I don't, as I mentioned last week, I don't dictate what's right and what's wrong. I don't do that. And therefore, prophecy can't be me trying to take the heavens and bring it down to the earth. It has to be me elevating myself and then being able to receive a transmission. And even though we're not prophets, we're not talking about prophecy, it's not relevant to us, but this is relevant in the whole way we see the world. You see, if we understand that everything is a manifestation of godliness in the world, then that's what we're doing. And that's what my existence is. How am I representing God in the world? How am I a spark of something that brings out in this world? But once I become a separate entity that says, oh, I, I'm, I'm Bilaam. I'm going to go all the way up to this place. I'm going to pull it down for myself. And that's the separation between God and people. True prophecy is the state of saying, saying that, that it, it, it is from Hashem, it is from God, and I want to be a vessel to receive. False prophecy was what Bilaam has, and where his why all of his traits go off is because it's all about I become great, I became powerful, and now my level of power will be to take this 
forces and use them for my good. That means you're disconnected from God. Bilaam is disconnected. And that's why he can never be satisfied. Not physically, not emotionally, not psychologically. He cannot be satisfied because there's a hole in his system because he, he, doesn't, he comes from nowhere. He doesn't come from God. He's separate. He's cut off. And that's what it was. Bilaam was a tremendous, tremendous power. Tremendously great person in terms of his just his, his brilliance in terms of whatever the things he was. But that was all misused. And when he said, I'm going to build seven altars, I'm going to be taking the power of us and saying to God, hey, you can have everything, God, but I don't really want to connect to you. I, I want you to do what I want because I have my, my, my trip. I have my will. It's a very, very amazing thing. That's their father. says a person nullifies their will to God's will, he'll, he'll nullify his will to yours. It doesn't mean you try to make a trick and try to get God to do what I want to do. But what it means is that a person who really understands that there's a greater will and becomes part of that, he, ha he has a place in this earth. He's connected to something that exists. Bilaam is not that. And that's why when Bilaam doesn't work for him, what's the last thing he did? He went and he gave advice he couldn't curse the Jews, so he gave advice. What was the advice? The advice was to send the Midianite women, the Moabites and the Midianite women, Moabites, to go and seduce the Jewish men. They did this service called Baal Peor. I don't know if you guys read what Baal Peor. You guys read what Baal Peor is about? Because it's really, really weird. Did you read, everyone read it? Very, very strange. Baal Peor was a very bizarre, idolatrous practice. This is what it did. So if, if you're eating dinner, you might want to put it down for a minute. But Baal Peor was they would they would go and they would eat all this food that would be like diuretic food. They would eat prunes and they would eat this and that, all this diuretic food. And they would hold it back. And then it, it, I don't want to see the matrix here. Like the, the, the first matrix was good. The second one was very terrible. And I remember I saw it years and years ago. There's a scene where they're all banging on drums. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like the idolatry. You can see these, these ancient crazy people. They would bang, I guess they bang on the drums, what they would do, and they would all hold it in. They all they all had to go to the bathroom very badly. And then at one moment they would say, Yes, now, and they would all defecate in front of their idol. And then they would have illicit relations. Now, when you hear this today, most people say, <laughs> what, what's, what is the attraction here? What, what, what's going on? I'll tell you the attraction. The attraction is this is a very dangerous thing. I'll explain you what it is. On one level, idolatry is a problem in the head. A person's got a messed up idea. They believe that there's three gods, there's ten gods, whatever they believe. They got a problem in their head. But emotionally, they're not hooked into it. And maybe if you can fix their heads and tell them, hey, you have, a, you have a problem, maybe they can come to understanding it. Then there's a person who has illicit relations. And his head may be okay, but he he's stuck in his desire. So, okay, so you could maybe get his head to talk to his heart because his head's on right. It's just that he's out of control of his physical body. Imagine how bad it is to combine these two things. Wow. That would be terrible. 
That's what this 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 idolatry was. It was there was illicit relations. There was defecating, which was the lowest part of a person is now okay. Kind of like the world today. The lowest part of you, that's okay. Let it all hang out. You're okay. Just and so and so this was the lowest idolatry. And it was it was it was Bilaam's idea. He knew he couldn't get the Jews to commit idolatry. What happened was they were seduced by these women, and then they, you know, they said to him at the last moment, hey, just, just agree to this. And they half-heartedly did, but they were stuck now because now they contaminated their heads and their hearts. And that was what Bilaam did. That's the advice he did. The prophet that that was in the world, it says the world before Bilaam was was already now girding themselves from illicit relations. And he broke it. And he broke it. Isn't that amazing? It's a fascinating thing. I, 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 I think I mentioned to you once, but as a kid, I, 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 I mentioned to you once, I, I, as a kid, I, I, still, I, still, I still like John Lennon. And then I realized years later that what he was what he was espousing was so bad, so problematic. And once I heard, I heard, uh, uh, I had an interview with these, with these with the beatniks, and they said we didn't realize the force we were unleashing in the world. And you look at the world today, and and people in the name of love, in the name of different things, unleash certain forces in the world that have just gone down this dead alley. And that's what Billam did. Billam was a person who had amazing power, but because he was not tuned into the source, when he didn't get what he wanted, he used his power to go and to bring evil into the world. And it required Pinchas to fix it up. Now, what did Pinchas do? So Pinchas says he did a covenant of peace. How is it peace to kill somebody? How could that be called peace? He killed someone's peace. The answer is, is because what is peace? What's shalom? Peace is taking two things that look opposite and putting them together. Pinchas was a Kohen, person of compassion, kindness. And therefore, for him to take, say, now is the time to use the opposite quality. That's that's shalom. That's peace. That's taking two opposites and using them for a proper purpose. Bilam took the two opposites. He took desire and illicit and 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 and, and, uh, and idolatry and combined them to to destroy the world. Pinchas took out of his kindness and love for the people. He went love for God. He did the opposite act, the act of actually killing to go and to bring peace into the world. It's taking two opposites and bringing them together for a holy purpose. The difference, therefore, between Bilam and Pinchas and those that are with, with, with Pinchas is Bilam's power is all about turning it into his own ego and it's a bottomless pit. And those who say, I want to combine the two things to be able to connect to the source, they can combine two opposites and use them for what is right and what's good. Okay, that is the thought. I'm open to hear what people have to say.